in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandDancerDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 579 now of the Ron and Don Show, and yeah, we are live from the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, coming up, uh, pickleball is all the rage, but guess why it's costing Americans millions? Also, the 10 safest countries in the world is the U.S., even in the top 10, I think you'll be surprised. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. I love uh, Reddit threads sometimes when people just tru- uh, share stories about either, hey, I work at a Taco Bell, and here's what's really happening at Taco Bell when we take the same seven ingredients and we make that taco, chalupa, whatever it is. It's all the same ingredients. We just kind of cart those around. Or horror stories of working at Costco. This one I really liked. On Reddit, it was talking about and asking people, when did you know that your marriage was over? One woman said, hey, I knew my marriage was over when I was at home, I had a high fever, I was very sick, I had pneumonia, I was taking care of two kids, and my husband said, can I go to the movies with my friends? He went to the movie, evidently, with a friend and came home at nine in the morning after sleeping with a different woman all night. Knew at that point, hey, this marriage is probably over. Uh, Another uh, person, and mostly men talk about this, really bothers men for some reason. Uh, And I saw this come up a lot. When their partner doesn't compliment them anymore, when they they used to call them handsome or they used to compliment, uh, hey, you look very nice tonight or this evening or whatever, it seems like men start taking a tally. And when those compliments stop, uh, sometimes the marriage stops and it seems like it's, it seems like it's over. Ron, a lot of, a lot, a lot of men want compliments and it seems like a lot of women want support. That seemed to be a common thread as I was reading through these. Uh, and I'm going to tell you in a moment <laughs> how I knew my marriage was over. I was married really for only just a couple months. I've shared this story before, but before I share that, did you see any commonalities in that when people knew their marriage was over? Yeah, well, you know the interesting thing to me about this, and because I, I too am divorced, I've, I've thought a lot about this, uh, is it, the, the falling in love with someone is very interesting in the way that you perceive a trait. And so a lot of these traits that were in this survey that you talk about during the falling in love period were probably recategorized. So for instance, you could be, um, you know, the, the guy that went out on the movie, even though he cheated on her, it's a different story, but let's say that thing. When you're falling in love with someone, you'd be like, wow, so-and-so is really independent. Like, I like that. I, I, I'm a try, like maybe you were just in a relationship with someone that was very dependent. And so the next person you date is independent. And you're like, that's attractive because it drove me nuts. The last person I dated was so clingy. They're really not clingy. In reality, that person is, has no empathy and has no concern about you and it has complete disregard for your well-being. But when you're in that infatuation stage, it seems like independence. Yeah. Uh, there was a story in there about a, a woman 
uh, where the guy needed some assistance and she finally was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And he's like, wow, now that I think about it, she never does anything for me. <laughs> and so again, yeah. though, in, in the infatuation stage, that probably seemed like something else to him. He interpreted the, the, the behavior as a positive when in reality it wasn't a positive. And so to me, this has always been fascinating. So it's either a, it's a combination of when you first meet with someone, you're sort of putting your best foot forward. I always reference the Chris Rock routine where it's like, you never meet the person, you meet their representative. For the, so, first, for the first six months. Right. It's like, no. you're not that tall, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. The Chris Rock routine is very funny. And so, and then it slowly reveals themselves and or the endorphins in your brain make you perceive something that's not really there. You might think like, like for example, for me, most of my dating life in my teens, twenties and thirties, probably uh, at least until I was 40 years old is I, I did not, the, the kindness was not even on my radar screen of like character traits I would look for. And so, you know, if someone you were at a bar with friends, like, Hey, what are you looking for? Kind, I would never even mention kindness. I'd say, Oh, I want her to be smart and funny and attractive and sexy. And like, you could go on and on with all these things that I'm quote unquote looking for. And I wouldn't even think about kindness. And so now it's one of the first things I look for, for it's like, cause if, if someone is kind, that encompasses a lot of other traits. For someone to be kind, it means that they're paying attention. It means that they are empathetic. It means that they are not selfish. Like There's a lot of things that flow out of kindness. So I didn't know that I liked that or I needed that until, until it was too late to know that I needed that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that was what was fascinating to me about this list is all these people fell in love and the version of the person they fell in love with in the short term turned out to not be the person in the long term. And so for me, the takeaway was if you are, if I value kindness, like, like you and I have known each other for 50 years, almost 45 years. I, I still That's weird. It is weird. <laughs> But for the most part That's now, I don't like. and this hasn't always been the case for our entire lives, but both of us now, I think, try to be kind to each other. Mm -hmm. And like you offer me a drink when you come to my house uh, and, and you help me at the barbecue at my you know party that I had uh, a couple weeks ago. Took your garbage home. Took your garbage home. So it's like that is something that if you don't practice that with your friend and your romantic partner and just someone that you meet randomly, like your server at the restaurant, if you're, if, if, you, if I'm with somebody and they're not kind to a server or they're not kind to an acquaintance, they're not kind to their coworker. It's going to come visit you. You go, you know what? I'm next on this list. Right. This person is not kind, even though they, they appear to be kind to me right now because they like me yeah. or they like something about me. They want something from me. They're showing their true colors and it's hard when you're infatuated with them to see that. I, I, I remember clearly, I went out with this uh, woman, uh, this has been a couple of years ago now, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, successful, like highly educated, couple degrees in college, like checking all the boxes. And uh, we were at a, a restaurant, absolutely, she just destroyed the server. And I was like, oh, 
you had a long day and you just destroyed this hourly worker in a restaurant. It's like, that's who you really are. That like, no thanks. Like she became instantly and then, and unattractive. Then, and then you married her. Exactly. <laughs> she became instantly unattractive to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 you and I are living in Phoenix. We're doing morning radio. I'm teaching spin 14, literally 14 times a week. I taught spin. I'm training for a bike ride across America, so I teach spin all the time. And I met this girl, and she came to my spin class for two years. She's one of my very uh, best students. And so we started hanging out, and then we started dating, and she had a little girl who was eight years old, so I met her little girl. And we we had very different schedules because when you do morning drive radio, you get up at three 3.30 in the morning to prepare for a morning show. And so... I would go to bed very early, usually by eight thirty, nine o'clock. I tried because sometimes you, you have to nap, but it just it, doing morning radio. And we did it for ten years. You never quite get used to it. You always kind of walk around. You're in a little bit of a fog because you're you're always lacking sleep. And so she in the evening, a lot of times I wouldn't see her, and the reason I wouldn't see her is because her mom was dying of cancer. Her mom her mom had breast cancer. This is about the time that I find out my mom has breast cancer and I want to do something for women with breast cancer. And so I had talked to her about doing this bike ride with me across America. And so she did. Uh, and I rode for my mom, Virginia, and she rode for her mom. And her mom's name was, was Norma. And, and we started out in Kyle Spell, Montana. We went all the way to the tip of Texas. We did it in about 12 days. She's a great athlete. We had two crews out there. We had sag wagons. We were sponsored by Volvo. We had an RV. Uh, it was, it, it was amazing. We raised a lot of money for an organization called Brides Against uh, Breast Cancer that helped women, especially very young women, have kind of a final, a final wish before they, before they pass away. So I'm not going to go into all those stories now, but some pretty powerful stories. So, so we kind of made this, this connection and she was very, she was, she was, she was very beautiful to me inside and out. Cause any, any woman that would get on a bike and ride across America for a dying mother, I just love. And then I remember, I remember I got a phone call and she said, uh, this is it. And my mom would like you to be there. So I was there with her daughter and, and her and her father. And we were all in the room together. And I brought out my, my guitar and I sang a couple songs that I could remember from church. And she ended up passing away. Before she passed away, before Nora passed away, she looked at her daughter. And I'm going to say her daughter's name. She looked at her daughter, though, and said, I forgive you. And, and it didn't register with me at the time. But the reason she was forgiving her was for never being there over the past couple of years when Norma was dying, which was weird to me because every evening she would tell me that she went to see her mom and she would give me an update on her mom and how things were, were going with her mom. Anyway, before Norma died, I said, I'm going to take care of your daughter and your granddaughter. So I, so I asked this woman to marry me. I'd known her for a number of years. Uh, so it wasn't an impulsive thing. And I, and, and I really got to know her when, when we did this bike ride uh, across America together. So anyway, and, and I also remember her asking me, could you go sit down with my daughter? I took her daughter to an Einstein bagels and I sat down with her and I explained to her, number one, that grandma was dying, that she had cancer. And, and number two, uh, I, I wanted to speak with her about being more involved in her life. So we had, I had this beautiful talk with, with her daughter. Fast forward, I'm teaching a spin class and this dude walks into my spin class 
And, and, and think about all the guys that you saw flying at like in Top Gun, but like a six foot 16 version of that with the aviator glasses and all that. And I, and I went, this guy looks like a Top Gun pilot. I've never seen him before. And he started coming to my class. She was in my class. And I noticed them talking every once in a while. It seemed like they knew each other. And then one day he came to my class. He signed up for class. He rode my class. And then he said, hey, I was wondering if we could go grab a cup of coffee. I think we have something in common. So I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. So I was like, I like aviator glasses. <laughs> I mean, this guy was just a stud. Just, just a, So anyway, we went, we sat down. I won't say his name either. And, and he said, I think we have something in common. And I said, what is that? And he said, I think you're married to my wife. Couldn't hear a pin drop. Like, what do you mean you think I'm married to your wife? He goes, well, I've been gone overseas, and he flies helicopters in the military, and he was gone on assignment for almost the past two years flying helicopters, and he had just come home. And he started doing a little investigation about what was going on, and he said, and, and I don't think you're the only one that she's married to. I think she's married to this other guy uh, that had also come to my class before. And this other guy's, uh, we'll just say his name was John. And, and he was an older gentleman, but very, 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 very wealthy, had a private compound, had a private jet, all this stuff. So I start digging a little bit, and I don't know if you remember this, but I came, Ron, and I, and I told you what was going on, and I said, hey, we got to tape our morning show, and you're like, what are you doing? I said, I got to go, because she would teach at the, the spin gym as well, and I'm like, I got to go to the spin gym and see what's going on, because this, this aviator is telling me that she's staying after class with another guy that, that she might be married to, a different guy, other, other than, than John, the wealthy guy, and the aviator, third guy, and, and that they're having an affair, and they're having this affair at the spin studio when she gets done teaching. Not if she's married to him. <laughs> so so any, anyway, uh, I, do you remember that? And you're like, I don't and you're, and you're like, don't do it. Just don't do it. I'm like, I have to do it. I have to see for myself. So I went there and I watched all, I'm just sitting down in the parking lot. We had taped our show before. Uh, and, and I'm and I'm just waiting and I see all these people leave. And then she comes out probably about 45 minutes later and I'd peeked in the room and it looked like they were back in the, in the massager. This is a completely different guy. This is a different guy. So, so, Long story short, shorter, because it's a very long story. Uh, I confronted her about this. She got very nervous. Uh, and I had hired someone to kind of investigate what was going on here. What was happening is she was she was going home. The, the reason why her mom forgave her when, when mom was on deathbed is because she was going home and living with wealthy guy. She was living with, she'd been living with him and her and her daughter, her eight year old daughter had been lying to me about it. So that's where she was living. I'd never been to her house before, uh, which is kind of weird. Right. And in, in, in retrospect, and I think some of these signs were there. I just didn't want to see them. She, and, and then she's still married to aviator guy. She's engaged to the John guy. She marries me and then come to find out with, within a 10 year span, she, she had married nine different men. Hmm. There were nine different. And, 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 and so I was one of these guys and I have never wanted to get married since ever. Like it, 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 
that loud, and, and you were you were one of the only ones at my marriage. You were you, when I when I got married and the Church on the Rock in Sedona, Arizona, and all that stuff. And like I w- I was fully in and fully committed, and I joke about it a lot of times, but but it left. So it, it, it made such an indelible mark in me that even, even with my son now, it's, it's, it's like, I'm very careful about introducing him to anyone. Most of the time we spend our, I spend my time with him. I don't involve uh, another partner in that. I tried doing that one time and he got very attached to this other partner and it was a different woman here in Seattle that I was engaged to and that didn't end up working out. And I'm just like, you know, until he's 18, I, I'm just going to keep those things separate. And when he does meet women in my life, cause I want to model, uh, you know, good relationships with them. They're typically my friends or my adventure friends or something like that. So but, but it, le- it left, it left such a mark on me. And, and this is what I think if I was going to get married today and I'm seeing Kevin Costner now, trying to get his ex to leave his $145 million compound. He's having a hard time with that. I I would sign a one-year contract with someone, maybe a five-year contract, but I would never sign a forever contract, a marriage, because that's what that is, until death do us part. So I, don't, I don't really believe until death do us part. What's the maximum number of people your partner can be married to simultaneously <laughs> before you're out? <laughs> anyway, I look back now, and it's a pretty funny story. But back then, it, it wasn't funny. And I remember I was going to Dallas. I slept. I slipped into a deep, deep depression. I lived in a hotel for almost six months, and I just stopped working out. I gained a lot of weight, and I, I, I would literally just get up from the bed in the hotel and go and do our midday show, and then I would go back and get in bed. I just and I, I, I have. It, 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 it it's the most. De- it's the most depression I've ever felt in my life. And after fighting through that, and this is without therapy, this is without help. This is hiding the secret. Like even what I just shared with you, I don't know that I've ever shared all that. And, and to be in a place now where you have gone through therapy, you can look back and you can clearly see yourself and how you would have done it differently. Uh, you have to you you have to learn to give yourself grace and also to give that other person grace as well, right? There's there's a reason why she did that, um, and but to disconnect and and not let it ruin uh, future relationships is 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 fairly hard sometimes. So. It's very hard. Yeah, we will see you on the other side of this. Investors, listen to me. You know, some investors aren't really investors. They're flippers. They're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it. But did you know that 40% of all Americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0? That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com. 
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. It's interesting. Uh, every year on spring break, my son and I plan a trip. And a couple of years ago, we went to New York City. New York City? Yeah, we, t- we stayed in Times Square. And the thing about Times Square, there was lots of people there. But you also see there's a big police presence. Like, like at least when we were there, we saw the police everywhere. And the reason we saw police everywhere is little did we know while we're out on tour, and I shared some of this before, we went on a New York City tour, and we just got off the Staten Island Ferry, and we were down by uh, the Trade Center. And our guide pulled us aside and said, hey, um, Brooklyn, which which was not far away, I think it was 10 stops from where we are, same train, uh, 10 people had had just been shot. And so that's when I decided that my son and I were not getting back. And we, this gentleman, there were four kids there, and one kid was on a phone, so he had seen it. So it had to be addressed because now all the kids knew. Otherwise, I don't think he would have said anything, but I think he felt like, hey, I, I need to tell them what's up so that they can feel safe. So anyway, when we got done doing this tour, we were supposed to take the train back. And we didn't take the train back. We walked all the way through through New York City. Uh, it was a lovely day, so that's okay. We got a lot of walking in, and we walked all the way up to Central Park, and then uh, and then we went on a bike ride. That must, at, at that point, we were a little too tired to pedal those those bikes. What we did it. I, I remember feeling though this this feeling of uneasiness, and it and it felt unsafe to me while I was there. Right, and 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 when you're in New York City, it's like what do you what are you going to do about it? Uh, and I fast forward to today in Seattle when I was downtown the other day, and I went to go see my dentist, and then I am walking out of the building. And I, I, I carry this key ring with a, with a carabiner on it. And the reason I carry the carabiner is because it's, it's like a pair of brass knuckles if I needed to use it. It's the same carabiner that, that I used to climb some mountains around here. And I use that as my key ring on my keychain. And, and, and as I'm walking down the street, there, there's a gentleman who just has his pants completely pulled down. And he's trying to go to the bathroom, middle of the street. It's right down by the headquarters for SPD, which, and, and I, I, I saw a cop drive by and he's just, he's standing and then he just starts, for whatever reason, he's, he starts yelling and he's screaming at me, just yelling and screaming. And, and then there were, there were a, a, a couple of other things that I saw and that happened. And it just, it, it gave me this real sense of, Hey, I wonder what it is like for people when they come visit here, when they stay in an Airbnb. I've had to tell people because almost all my Airbnbs have been hit. Uh, cars get broken into all the time. And in the welcome letter that I send out to people now, I'm like, you can't leave anything in your car. And it doesn't matter where the Airbnb is. You just can't, especially if they see a foreign plate, like from Florida or North Carolina or something, they are going to target you. And I have, I have to warn people now. And in fact, my Airbnb in my backyard, uh, Someone had just gone shopping and they put all their, and it's, it's off an alley here on Queen Anne and they still had all their presents and everything in there that they had purchased that they were taking home with them. And somebody hit that car and they took everything. For some reason, they left their wallet in there. They had their passport in there. For some reason, they left the car unlocked. You, you, you can't leave any low hanging fruit right now in the city of Seattle. I'm beginning to think though, it, it's like that way everywhere all over the country. And Ron, it's, it's interesting. They just talked about the 10 safest countries. Uh, and it seems like the United States of America, uh, law and order, it seems like we aren't one of those, right? When you read this headline that said the top 10 safest countries in the world, 
where did you think the U.S. would rank? I thought maybe ninth, somewhere in there. I thought it's 133rd. Yeah, uh, and it's it, it is shocking. This was the thing that always got me on when we were on the radio, and uh, there was a lot of um, it was mostly conservative talk. People who would talk about how the, a bunch of chest pumping about how great America is. Make America great again, and we're the greatest country on God's green earth. And number one, you got the big foam finger and USA and all those chants. And then you look at something like this, it's just a simple safety study around the world. And we're not even, not only are we not close to number one, we're not even close to number 100. Yeah. Uh, I was, I just finished reading a book about this uh, guy from the Netherlands that wanted to ride his bicycle from Vancouver, BC to the tip of Patagonia. And he wrote a book about it. It's a really fascinating read with a lot of great photographs of his trip. It took him two years to ride 19,000 uh, kilometers. And I remember this part when he crosses over uh, into the United States and he's riding through Washington and Oregon. And at a certain point, I think it was by the time he got to Oregon, he says, I've never felt so unsafe. He's like, I'm in a country right now uh, that allows anyone to carry a gun and I'm going to sleep in my tent uh, in the woods of Washington or the woods of Oregon. And reading that, it really struck me. I was like, wow, that's right. If you grow up in Europe or you grow up in Japan or you grow up in the Netherlands, the concept of anyone, nobody has a gun. Like that concept of like who has a gun is like the police could have a gun. And even in the UK, even the uniformed police that are walking around and we talked to them and, and we were in London, they do not carry a gun. They have a baton. So the military has a gun and maybe police officers have a gun and that's it. So if that's what you knew growing up, because the top four or five countries on this list are like Iceland, Denmark, Switzerland, uh, the Nordic countries rank really high in this. So you grow up with a sense of safety because there are no guns on the street. Uh, and people are relatively happy. Uh, taxes are high, but you have health care. You have a sense of security. Um, they don't have the, the same issues that we've talked about in previous shows. Uh, and so reading that in this book was like, wow, that makes sense. Uh, you don't know. Like, you don't know. But Florida just passed a law where you can have a conceal. You don't need to get a permit to conceal carry. You can, you can walk into a store buy a handgun and wear it in public in a holster and you need no license, no permits, no extra training. You don't have to get a concealed carry license. You, anyone in Florida now can have a gun on their hip and you have no idea of who it is. That, if you come from the Netherlands, you're like, holy crap, I'm not going to Florida. <laughs> Everybody's got a gun. Yeah. So uh, this was not surprising to me. It was surprising how low we were. I thought we would at least be top 50. I didn't expect us to be 133rd in the world. It's, it's, it's crazy. Every single day there's a mass shooting, sometimes two mass shootings, three mass shootings. And, and, and to even qualify to be a mass shooting, it means that four individuals need to get shot. Right. Yeah. So, so think about where one, two, or three people have been shot. It's not considered a mass shooting, so therefore – it's it's not included in those statistics. It, it, this just reminds me too of like some of my travels. I remember going to Mexico City, and people were like, "Oh, aren't you afraid to go to Mexico City? Like, there's the drug lords." And it's like, 
Dude, we 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 live in one of the most unsafe countries in the world. What yeah. are you talking about? No, I, I remember being on the Staten Island ferry and and talking to some of the people there that were from Europe, and they're just like this 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 kind of thing doesn't happen there. And and they hadn't captured the gunman yet. The gunman was still on the loose, and they were afraid that this particular gunman would continue to shoot people in the subway. So everybody was walking, and they piled out of the subways. It's interesting since that has happened. In New York City a couple of years ago, they're, they're having a hard time getting people back in the subway system. Uh, a lot of people are finding other finding other ways to commute because the city just doesn't feel safe to them right but now. But you're right. So. You do see a lot of uniformed police because there's yep. so many. You have the New York City police, but you also have the subway has their own police. The ferries have their own police. The New York Police Department, I think, is like the 14th largest army in the in the world. They're, and they're, they make it known. Yeah. They're yeah. walking around. I, I always I always feel relatively safe in New York City. Yeah. Here in Seattle, uh, some breaking news about Chief Diaz, and this is something that I've known for quite some time. Uh, I've had some sources on this within the police department that some are saying that the mayor may be asking him to step down. And the reason why the mayor is asking him to step down uh, will blow your mind. It will absolutely blow your mind. So I'll I'll tell you on our little break here, Ron, what's going on. And uh, I can't confirm this with sources yet, so I don't want to say anything about it. But it is I have confirmed it with one one source within the Seattle Police Department uh, that he is being asked to step down. And I have to say, uh, I don't know why the mayor chose him anyway because nobody wants to work for him. We're down to about 500 police officers to patrol here in Seattle. And uh, this guy, you, you got to get somebody in there like a Kathleen O'Toole that can, that can do reform. And at the same time, she showed up at every, anytime anyone was shot or there was a dead body in the city of Seattle, even if it was in the middle of the night, Kathleen O'Toole showed up. She was there. She would run the press conference. She brought reform. And also the rank and file cops wanted to work for her. And her command staff listened to her. That is not happening with this chief right now. And this is totally the mayor's fault. It is his fault. We will see you on the other side of this. Hey, it's Ron. I'm here with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also, then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, if you need us, just reach out, ronanddonsitdown.com, and we'll sit down with you virtually. And then when you're ready to list, yeah, I'll come out, visit your house. We'll see what kind of work we need to do, or we'll spend a dollar to get two back. And uh, I have to say, it's a very good time for sellers right now because there is no inventory. And for you buyers out there, 
yeah, when you, when, when you have some of the greatest minds in finance and real estate say, hey, pay attention, buy now and go ahead and refinance in 2024 when interest rates come down, that's what you're going to have to do. Because even as interest rates tick down a little bit, and they will as we head toward 2024, a lot of people that have been standing on the sidelines, they're going to rush back into the marketplace, including flippers and contractors, and you're going to have to compete with them. And it's going to be just as crazy uh, as it was over the past couple of years. So need help buying, selling, investing, meeting with a lot of investors right now. Investors always pay around six to 7% on investment property anyway. So we're, we're, we're used to paying, uh, we're used to paying a, a higher debt service. We just are. So if you're thinking about investing, uh, uh, reach out as well. Ron on sit down.com pickleball. You, you pickleball guy. I've been invited to play pickleball. I have not gone to play pickleball. I played tennis growing up. So I sort of get the, the vibe. It seems like a lot of fun, but, uh, no, I have not played pickleball. I've yeah. Been, it's I've interesting. Been invited. It's interesting. Like I used to go to a, a fitness club over here, LA fitness, and you would see these racquetball courts just kind of sit empty. They had lots of racquetball courts and nobody in there playing racquetball or handball. Yeah. So so now they've turned those into pickleball courts. Uh, my son and I, when we go over to Suncadia, they have a pickleball court over there, and we'll go play pickleball. The cool thing about pickleball that I really like is it's like like our friend Josh Kearns, uh, who used to be a reporter at Cairo. Uh, and in fact, he's working for this organization now that is building pallet homes, and we'll have him on sometime to talk about that. Uh, but, he's, but he's also become this huge promoter of pickleball. And it's interesting because you see a lot of celebrities, too, that are playing pickleball. In fact, I've heard stories in Maui. Uh, you can show up down on the beach there where they have some pickleball courts. And Steven Tyler, who lives there, will show up and play pickleball. Oprah will show up and play pickleball. Uh, they say Justin Timberlake loves to play pickleball. Jim Carrey, who has a home there, will show up and play pickleball. And you can just show up by yourself. You're added to a list. And, it, it's, it, it, and it's a way for people to be active without having to be great at something, right? Because when you, for instance, if you take up tennis, tennis or golf, any of those ball sports can be uh, very frustrating to someone like me because just to even get the serve down or to re- return a serve, it takes a long time for me to figure those things out. Or every time I go golf, if I can hit the ball long, I can't hit it short. If I can hit it short, I can't hit it long. I can never marry those two things together. And, and, and granted, I haven't done enough golfing or, and I haven't, haven't golfed in years, but, but when it comes to pickleball, everyone can play. Everyone can kind of be okay at it and, and you don't have to be a great athlete and it just. It ta- you just have to have two paddles and a ball or a couple of balls. <clears throat> and we see this happening all over America right now where a lot of old volleyball courts um, and a, a courts that were used for other things are now being turned into pickleball courts. So for someone like Josh, who I know has struggled with his weight and his diet over the years, it, it, it's a real opportunity for him to go out, be social, meet other people. I think a lot of us want to meet other people, uh, especially now that we're on the other side of COVID. We want real relationships just not somebody that we swiped on and, and and pickleball is a really nice way to do that. I see a lot of churches doing this too. Instead of having the volleyball game after church, a lot of people are, are playing pickleball and it originated right here uh, in the great state of Washington. So you got to fill me on this story because the tease was it's costing Americans millions of dollars. There is there a gambling component? Uh, to pickleball? People just a lot of people playing pickleball. Like I said, 
haven't been athletic in a long time, and 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 so pickleball uh, seems tearing a, tearing a hamstring or a pickleball tendon. seems to be uh, filling up emergency rooms. <laughs> that, all, that makes a lot of sense all across America. Pop yeah. my hamstring. Yeah. So anyway, hey you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If you need us, uh, just reach out. Yeah, you can email me directly, Ron at ronanddon.com. Don't get caught flat-footed. If you're thinking uh, third quarter, fourth quarter of the year, now's the time to do your sit down, get all your ducks in a row, and be ready to roll. So email me, Ron at Ron. Don.com. Yeah, head up, shoulders back. We'll see you next time. Yep, you were listening to the Ron and Don Show. Oh, there you On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network. Only.